Kinging away, Fox Beard, Lock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendy's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Cedar's cat, Kempex hat, Q has had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It happens to be Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and it is September 21st, which means we are live. That's right, we are live, and you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking right now at 646-668-2433. You definitely want to do that because we have an awesome show planned for you guys, as usual. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks episode in the Cradle of Exelon, but wait, there's more. We're also going to be talking about the very short trek happy holidays so if you have any opinions or any thoughts you'd like to share on either of those two topics you definitely want to give us a call 646-668-2433 is the number and we'll get you on the air i'm your most excellent host uncle jim and before we get too far i want to go around the room and introduce you to my awesome frexpert and we're going to start off in a place that's not portland we're going to go from Vermont all the way to Las Vegas, where we have our very own Charles hanging out. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. The weather looks a lot better today than it did yesterday. I can see blue skies. I see it pouring, dropping buckets of rain on top of me. And we're in the mid-80s right now because of a cold front. Oh, we had a storm front hit the center of town, and we just got dumped on. I think we got close to half an inch of rain in our area. Other parts got more than that, and whew, couldn't see. There were spots where you couldn't even see the sidewalk because the water was just going right over the sidewalk. Wow. Wow. Well. Yeah. You're going to have that when it rains, right? <laughs> Especially in a place Rain. where the ground can't absorb the water. <laughs> yeah, that kind of happens. So, you know, why don't we, like, cruise from Vegas all the way out to Portland? And while we're in Portland, we're going to say hello to my next, not one, not two, but three experts. I think there's something in the water. I haven't quite figured it out yet. But let's start off with our very own toy guy, Paul. How you doing tonight, Paul? Hey, Chadich. I'm doing well, friend. Doing good. I, I'm excited to have conversation, and uh, it's because Portland is one of the nerd meccas of the entire universe. Okay, just let's clear that up right now, and I will prove that 
in 48 hours when we're at the uh, Rose City Comic Con. And, uh, and you need no more evidence than that. I mean, it's just, you know, other than like Austin, I think we've got, you know, the biggest per capita ballyhoo of nerds that you can find, uh, seriously. Uh, so I, I, I'm proud to be one of them. <laughs> but doing good. Well, you know, is, is, it, is it too early in the show to ask a question, or should I save my question for later? Do uh, well, uh, you want to ask a question about what Dave is currently eating? <laughs> Not so much, no. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I've already seen one horror movie this week. I don't know if I need to see another one. <laughs> we don't need <laughs> I promise it's not avocado. Oh, great. Well, it's, it's probably cottage cheese and, and, uh, and ice cream mixed together. I don't know what it is. But, uh, who knows? I don't know. Sounds so yummy. Well... Well, while while we're talking about David and his dinner, why don't we introduce David, and you'll never guess where David is. It's not Las Vegas, and it's not Vermont. You're right. He's in Portland. How you doing, David? Ooh, I almost forgot where I was. Um, I'm, good. I'm doing good. Um, yeah, uh, as far as dinner goes, I'm so hungry. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, well, okay. <laughs> uh, peanut butter yeah. and jelly donuts. Oh, man, with Don't cottage cheese and ice cream. I really want to try that now. <laughs> well, uh, you know, sticking in Portland, we've got our very own Eric, who is not eating, but he is in Portland. How you doing, Eric? I am doing very well. Uh, had a busy day, slid into home base just before the show here, have spent most of my evenings uh, finishing up the kids' cosplay costume with her for said Rose City Comic Con, which I'm very excited to attend. Going to see Paul there on Saturday. Uh, everything Paul said about it is absolutely true, man. This is like thousands and thousands and thousands of people at the convention center here in Portland. We had a blast going last year, Paul and I together. Um, this year we're, I'm bringing the kid. Um, so we're going to have a good time. I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm really looking forward to the myriad topics that we have to discuss tonight as well. Yeah, my my well, cosplay is Eric Stalker. Yeah, <laughs> Eric Stalker. I'm gonna stalk you around Comic Con, like from a distance, like looking at you with like opera glasses. So that's that's my cosplay, dude. I, you know, I think I could get into that for a couple hours. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna photo bomb you. <laughs> <laughs> now Eric well, needs to dress up as uh, Paul Stalker. Yeah, yeah they or, can stalk or each other. A stalk E. Well, I'd have to figure out what a stalk E looks like. I guess. <laughs> giant stock of corn. So, before we get too far, though, uh, speaking of Eric and uh, speaking of David and speaking of Rose City Comic Con, there was another convention in the area. Uh, I think it was last week, and it was called Alien Con, and here it is. Interested in aliens? Alien Con is an exploration to the unexplained mystery that exists between science fact, and science fiction. Experience the long-running hit program Ancient Aliens live on tour. This interactive event explores thought-provoking extraterrestrial theories on fan-favorite topics from ancient Egypt to the moon. Ancient Aliens Live lands at Portland's Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall on Friday, September 15th. Tickets on sale now at AncientAliensLiveTour.com. 
And Truck Talking was lucky enough to have five pairs of tickets for Alien Con. And we had some really cool swag that we were able to give out. And Eric and David attended Alien Con as representatives of Truck Talking. So, guys, what can you tell us about Alien Con? Yeah, well... Would, okay, did you want to go first, David, or you want me to? Yeah, so I'll just I'll just say that first of all, um, in Portland, uh, I can't think of another venue where I'd rather see this type of show. So the basically the style of this show is like a panel style, where you had your three uh, ancient aliens experts, um, Giorgio Sulakis, David Childress, and William Henry. They were up on stage. And um, they're being mediated by a gentleman whose name I do not remember offhand, but uh, it was basically panel style. So we, he would ask a question, they would provide answers, video, you know, clips were kind of mixed in. So there was a big screen hanging up. So clips, uh, as I understand, maybe a couple from the show, but also some that were just exclusive to this um, to this presentation. When we say this is a convention, it, what it really is is just uh, a panel discussion in a big theater. And the Schnitzer Auditorium here in Portland is just a beautiful spot. David, that was your that was your first time at the Schnitz. What did you think? Well, first I would like to say no probes were harmed in the filming of this uh, yeah. alien con. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it was the first time going into that uh, theater, and it was really big. It was really cool. It was really nice, and uh, I didn't think anything that nice existed in downtown Portland, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, uh, it was really fun. Um, I enjoyed it. It had a lot. It was just basically, yeah, I would panel, um, listen to some guys talk who apparently were in the, the History Channel, Alien, Ancient Aliens. So um, they, it was a film, apparently, that I never even actually heard of. Well, it's a television. It's a television series, 235 episodes. Yeah, that. Uh, and yeah, uh, yeah. And I actually watched one episode the moment I got home. <laughs> so yeah. it, it was interesting, but um, <clears throat> yeah, it was uh, it, it was interesting. They showed a lot of cool pictures of like all the archaeology dug they did, and I think me and Eric were talking about the ones that we thought was really cool, which is something called the H. Structure, I think it's what they called it, and it was just a humongous like piece of rock that apparently was man carved or alien carved or whatever. They were into a shape of an H, the letter H, and yeah, it was just a yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it was just a giant structure. It was like I, I forgot how far uh, big they mentioned it, but it was really huge. Yeah, they're really big. So just to give some context, for if you don't know what ancient aliens like what that show is all about or anything. So there is a theory called the ancient astronaut theory that basically posits that at some point in ancient times, the earth was visited by alien life and some sort of knowledge was imparted at that point so that, you know, uh, humankind's origin isn't just our own. We just didn't spring out of nothing. We actually were sort of seeded from some other people. And one of the, books that they kind of referenced as a almost like a tome i mean they seem to all have read it and it was referenced many times um uh, is this book called chariot of the gods by eric von daniken 
which uh, much in the same way that, <laughs> that David was inspired to come back and watch an episode, I was inspired to read the book. So uh, I'm real close to the end of the book right now. And it's pretty interesting. You know, I think, I think that the theories of these guys and the theories of Eric Von Daniken, who, by the way, wrote this book back in 1970, I believe, um, are, are sort of like, to me, the beginning of good scientific inquiry. Like, why shouldn't we ask questions about things that we really can't understand? Because there are, there are things like the pyramids of Egypt or the H blocks in uh, Pumapunku, which is what David was just talking about, or, you know, all of these other kind of monolithic things that are built all over the planet. Like, how in the world did people get there? And some of the explanations of, you know, wooden rollers or a billion slaves or whatever, these guys provide some pretty decent evidence that some of those things, you know, may not be 100% true. And so for me, it was a very cool and interesting exploration of the idea of humankind being touched by aliens. And, you know, I mean, everybody takes what out of, out of that, what they what they take out of it. Um, but for me, it was kind of fun to see the, the types of people that came. Some of the, the things that I heard people talking about in the crowd were interesting. I met one other podcaster who gave me his card, and we stand, stood and chatted about podcasting for a while. He, um, I Sorry, I don't have his card handy here. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll give him props at the next one once I um, have his card uh, in front of me. But he, he's one of these guys who talks about uh, – you know, aliens and supernatural stuff on his podcast. So it was interesting to sit and chat with him for a little while too. So yeah, it was a really cool event. It was short and sweet, hour and a half long on stage, uh, no intermission. So we were in and out of there in a couple hours. Um, but yeah, beautiful venue. Yeah. And it was real fun. I think my favorite uh, uh, part of the whole thing was looking at all the pictures that they took. And honestly, I did not think there were so many monolith structures like that all over the world. <clears throat> I actually yeah. never even heard half of what they talked about. I'm like, oh my goodness, what? <laughs> yeah, there were so, so many. I mean, everybody's heard of like the heads of Easter Island or um, Stonehenge. Stonehenge or like those kind of ones. But yeah, they showed a whole bunch of other ones. And some, we're talking guys like some of the stones are big enough that today's technology couldn't move them. So it, it you know, there's questions there. To me, there's unanswered questions there, which anybody who's out there asking those um, I'm all into it. And Eric, in Eric Von Daniken's book, he's like, listen, the essence of being human is to question and is to want to kind of move the ball forward. And at his time, you know, he was referencing things like the Vietnam War and that kind of stuff. And he's like, what if we took, you know, all of this money and we poured it into research about X? And, you know, could we move the ball forward in that regard? And, you know, I could get into some of the way, some of the things that he was he was talking about. Some of it's a little science fictiony, and he absolutely um, acknowledges that. Some of it's already been debunked because that was 1970, and you know, lots been learned since then. But there's still a lot of unknowns, and this ancient alien show is kind of the the modern day version of checking out what that whole thing's all about. It actually reminded me of you a little bit, Jim, because I know of your love of X Files, and of course, X Files is you know all about Mulder asking the question, like, what if? Like, why wouldn't you think that this could be possible, right? Hmm. Ross, no so, one. Yeah, well, yeah. So it was it was a cool event. I really liked it. Yeah, and also not just yeah. to think about the structures on the surface, but also underwater. Apparently there were a couple of uh, structures that were discovered under there. Pretty interesting. So, 
So there you go. So we handed out a lot of business cards. I wore my Trek Talking t-shirt. Um, we chatted with the crowd as much as we could, and we had a good time. Well, that's excellent. That is really cool. And hopefully they'll they'll come up, maybe they'll come way up here sometime, and I can attend one. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But anyway, not for those probes. That was, that was <laughs> yeah, no probes. <laughs> Ancient aliens live on tour. Uh, check them out. They might be coming to a town near you. You never can tell. All right, guys, you can go to our Facebook page at um, Trek Talking and Beyond, or you can visit trektalking.com, which is what I would recommend. Because while you're at trucktalking.com, there's all kinds of cool articles, pictures, and all kinds of fun things for you there. One of the best things you can do there is listen to our old shows, our archived shows. You can find them all there, and I have them broken down by category. So if you want to find out what Eric thought about Episode 3 of Strange New World Season 1, you can find that out. So go and check that out. And while you're there, click on the little blue microphone in the bottom corner. That's a talkback mic. And you can leave us a message. And if we play your message on the air, you can win a really cool prize. So check that out while you're there. And we always like to give fan shout-outs to all of our fans on Facebook. We like to interact with you guys as much as possible. And if you go to our Facebook page, you'll see a little post pinned to the top of the page asking you where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, then your name will be read on a future fan shout-out list like the one we're about to do now, and we'll start off with Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week our very first fan shout-out goes all the way over to Croatia, the beautiful city of Zagreb. Uh, We're saying hello this week and uh, giving a lot of thanks to Ankika Matejas. Ankika Matejas from Zagreb, Croatia. We appreciate your support over there. I uh, can't believe that we have people that listen to us in Croatia. Croatia. <laughs> never never did I believe that the sound of my voice would be making its way over there, but thank you so much for your support, and we really appreciate you coming on our Facebook page and saying hello to us as well. I'd also like to say hello and send out a big kapla to top fan Andre Fischer. Andre Fischer is saying hello to us from Schleitzweig-Holstein in Germany, sending us a German flag and a little live long and prosper Thank you, Andre, so much. Top fan status means that you interact with us a ton on our Facebook page, and we always appreciate that. Thank you very much, sir. Also, thank you very much, and live long and prosper to Jonah Johari, who's saying hello to us from Malaysia. Jonah, from Malaysia, thank you so much for checking in with us and for saying hello on the Facebook page. Peace and long life to you. And finally, on my list, we're saying hello this week to Carinthia, uh, oh, excuse me, to <laughs> Michael Richter from Carinthia, Austria, who sends us a little Austrian flag and a little live long and prosper from Michael as well. Live long and prosper to you as well. Charles, I'm going to spin this globe over to you, and I bet you're going to bring it back stateside. Oh, thank you, Eric. I prefer stateside because you can translate better than I can. Let's Welcome to top fan Aubrey Berryhill from Dallas, Texas. Live long and prosper. Engage. <clears throat> Welcome. John D. Hiller. Cape Brennan Island, Nova Scotia, Canada. 
welcome Jennifer Needham Farnham from Central Texas. And since it's three live long and prosperous. And welcome Dawn Wagner from Redding, California. David, who's on your list? Yeah, hi everyone. I would like to give a big warm welcome to a local, probably not Portland, but Bridget Connell from Oregon, USA. And the next big welcome is to the top fan, Deanna Harrison from Montana, USA. Next on the list is another top fan, Missy Oakley from Anchorage, Alaska. Last on my list is a warm welcome to McCall, or McCall, McCall, Michael? I don't know. I'm going to go Michael, but without the E. Yeah. Okay, Michael uh, Morrison Kerr, sorry for butchering the name there, uh, from Port Orchard, Washington. Been a Trek fan since the first show. Whoa. <clears throat> I'm not that old, but whoa. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, Paul, I'm going to give it a couple of spins. Hopefully nobody falls off the globe, and I'm going to pass it to you. And Paul was silent. Are you there, uh, Paul? He fell off the globe. <laughs> oh, no. Bumped my head against the longitudinal axis, and it <laughs> rang my bell pretty hard. Gee, I don't know what happened there. You know, this has not been a good technology day. That's one thing. But then technology is pretty undependable on a good day. So let's focus instead on our wonderful fans who populate the entire globe from one continent to the next. Top fan Edwin Zvard from Vlardingen in the Netherlands is saying hello. Live long and prosper and the flag of flying. Edwin, it is fantastic to hear from you, my friend. You lived in a marvelous part of the world. So hello and thanks for saying hi. Greetings also to Alemis Suarez from the gorgeous country of Cuba and also sporting the uh, Cuban flag there flying proudly. So it's great to hear from you. Always wonderful to hear from our neighbors in that part of the world. Uh, back over to Europe, we have our friend Bozena Kozinska from Grodziski Mazowskiwak in Poland. It is great to hear from you, Bozena. So thank you for being a fan and sharing your enthusiasm of all things Trek. And finally, we've got uh, the flag flying and uh, live long and prosper from the wonderful nation of Israel from our friend Thomas Goodman, who's saying hello. That's what I've got. Let's move over to Uncle Jim. Well, I'd like to say thank you and kapla to top fan Michelle Winters, who's listening to us in the great state of Arizona. We have another top fan, Patty Cole, who's listening to us in Philadelphia, PA. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it, Patty. We also want to say hello, thank you, and kapla to Anthony Michael Hines, who's in Barbados in the West Indies. How did that one sneak in there? Wow, I must be getting senile. And last but definitely not least, we want to say kapla and thank you to top fan Don Rusnick, who's listening to us in Connecticut, U.S. of A. And that, my friends, wraps up our fan shout-outs. We've gone around the globe. And if you'd like to hear your name mentioned on a future fan shout-out, just head over to our Facebook page and tell us where you're listening from. And before we go too far... We do have a fan on the line. Woo-hoo. And, yes, I'm going to try to see if the gremlins will come out of my iPad here 
and answer the phone without any problem. Sometimes they like to be a nuisance. Let's see. Good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Is this me? It's Ray. This is you. This would be you. I can tell your voice. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, this is Abby Normal What's calling not? from Brooklyn. I thought it was Ray. Sorry, guys. No, nope, Abby Normal. Not Ray. Hi, Abby. Nope. That's that. As he, but he's from Brooklyn, my old stomping ground, Ooh, which is Brooklyn. pretty cool. <laughs> How you doing, I Abby? I got a quick question for all of you. Yeah, go ahead. So, say you've been diagnosed with a deadly but treatable alien disease. Which doctor in all of Star Trek would you choose to tend to your needs? Wow. Hmm. But it, it'd have to be Pulaski. It'd have to be Pulaski, right, Eric? Wow. Well, I mean, I like Pulaski, but, uh, you know, that's a pretty deep question, man, because each doctor, of course, brings their own set of skills and, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, I have to say, personally, I'm rather partial to uh, the doctor from Voyager, and I think that's because he's uh, upgradable. So, like, he would be (laughs) – he would, like, always have the latest and greatest, and you – you can be assured that you're always receiving, you know, I mean, presumably you're not uh, stranded in the Delta Quadrant, but like, let's say that he's back here doing his work. Um, I feel like he would be the one because I kind of uh, also don't mind that sort of demeanor in a doctor, a little bit of saltiness, a little bit of, uh, you know, yeah, I think I'm okay with that. I think we have different uh, needs when it comes to demeanor. Uh, Eric, yeah, yeah. Uh, me, I, I would be all all in with Crusher, uh, I got to say, because to me, bedside manner is everything and uh, rapport and whatnot. So I think I would be uh, I would want to put myself in, in the, that physician's care. I just believe that uh, her professionalism would uh, <clears throat> conquer all. What about you, Charles? I'm going with. Day with uh, Eric on this one. I was thinking the exact same thing. The doctor, EMH. The doctor. Doctor who? How about you, David? <laughs> doctor who? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna go with the doctor, but then Paul kind of convinced me a little bit that the bedside manner does kind of make sense. But uh, then again, I mean, like Eric said, he's upgradable, so he can have bedside manners when you program him right. But. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, I don't know. I think it's not that kind of bedside manner. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more like uh, it's just his knowledge base. But you know, I get. No one's I get digging the, on flocks. Not not one vote for flocks here tonight. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with our animated friends from uh, Lower Deck, Doctor. <laughs> oh. There you go. Because cats scratch I gotta fever. Say, Excellent. Just for the opposite reason, because. Uh, she'll tell you effing like it is, <laughs> you know. Not too fixed. Yeah, she'll There's get she'll get bleached. You're gonna frickin' die, uh, Jim. <laughs> yeah, you're dead, dude. Hang it up. She's not gonna candy coat it. She's gonna lay it right out straight for you. So I kind of I respect that. <laughs> so how about our caller? Like, how about our caller? What is uh, what do you think about this? Well, Voyager. It's an unpopular opinion, but might be my favorite Star Trek series. So I got to go with the doctor. There we go. Boom. Three <laughs> vote for the doctor. A lot of Voyager fans here, man. We love yeah. that show. We yeah. adore Voyager on this on this show. We do. Yeah. We do. 
<laughs> so long as the doctor is not on a away mission and I got to deal with Tom Paris. But <laughs> right, right. Well, and you always got the you got hologram technology, batteries and stuff to deal with, but it's no different than keeping a person alive as far as I'm concerned. So, I, I think you're all good. <laughs> well, that's a great you question. Thank you for asking that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Excellent. Yeah, Abby, my uh I'm actually uh in Brooklyn, uh 5th Avenue, but uh, 53rd Street between 5th and 6th Avenues is where I hail from. I'm up in Vermont now, but that was a long time ago. Right around the time Paleo got there? Yeah. Yeah, thousands of years ago. (laughs) Thousands and thousands of years ago. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for calling, Abby. We appreciate the call. And uh, so now we've got Abby from Brooklyn, and we've got Ray from the Bronx. So we have a pretty good following down in the Big Apple. That's really awesome. So at any rate, every week on our Facebook page, guys, I put up a post, usually Friday around coffee break, right around 10 o'clock on Friday morning, my time, Eastern Coast time. I'll put a post up on our Facebook page asking you guys what you thought about the episode, whichever the new series. In this case, it will be Lower Decks. And to score each episode on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. And then we tally up those scores, and then we read some of them off on the air, come up with a fan score, because, once again, we like to hear what you guys have to say. So, Eric, what did our fan, what did our Facebook fans have to say about In the Cradle of Vexalon? Well, I can tell you top fan Brian Kane said, going to give this one a 7. The first two episodes were much better, but this was fine. The pairing of Boims and Talin is great, and I hope they put them together more as Bradward is beginning to outgrow Mariner. The Room of Death with the Koala and the Black Mountain was a fun and unexpected moment, but a lot of the story-slash-jokes were pretty generic. Thanks, Brian. Top fan Keith Franklin said... It was kind of filler, nothing super memorable about it, but inclusion of the Betazoid gift box and the Wadi game were definitely funny. I did laugh, just not as much as last week. A solid 5.5. Thanks, Keith. Uh, John K. Underly set a 10. Tendies going dual wheeled on isolinear chips. <laughs> Speed running along home. LD continues to be a love letter to fans. Agreed, John. Thanks. Michael Wilson said 6.5 for me, another example of Easter eggs in place of story, plus some absolutely over-the-top ridiculousness. Both plots were nothing really special, but it was entertaining enough, I guess. Where was the mystery ship? Thanks, Michael. John Wilson gave it a 5. It was an average one. I did, however, like seeing Nomad and the Romulan cloaking device in the store, though. Thanks, John. Top fan Tom Rafferty also gave it a 5. It was average Trek. There wasn't anything awesome. Every episode won't be a gem. Jeffrey Jenkins said, nine. Boimler did a great job. DK Sellers said, a definite nine for me at the very least. Ross Perindy said, nine it is. The subtle reference to Twin Peaks is beautiful. Oh, no, there goes my, ah. (laughs) I had this, well, maybe I'll ask it in reverse when the time comes. I had this great trivia question all lined up. But we'll 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 talk about that later. Thanks, Ross. And top fan Ethan Cohen gave it a nine. And that uh, this week, guys, gives us a uh, aggregate fan score 
of 7.5. And if I'm not mistaken, 7.5 is the lowest so far this season, but not unrespectable. So let's talk Mm. about it. And you know what that music means. It's once again time to put on your thinking caps and join us for Star Trek Trivia Time with Uncle Jim. All right, guys. I uh, I thought David wasn't going to be with us tonight for some odd reason. So, uh, unfortunately, I don't have a trivia question for David. So, don't I don't want David to feel left out because he's munching on his guacamoles anyways. So, enjoy your guacamoles, David, and... Uh, you know, don't don't feel left out because you don't have a question. I could probably it's pull okay. one out of the air. You know. It's okay. I had to throw but, it out um, anyway. There's a hair in it. Oh, I hate when that happens. Oh, man. You never know. You no, know, you gotta. I hope they were wearing gloves when they made them things for you. Oh, wow. Oh man. <laughs> The things that we talk about on the podcast, huh? <laughs> uh-huh. Crazy, 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 crazy. All right. So, Eric, the first one goes out for you. Are you ready? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, now, uh, and remember, these, these are pretty basic. These are pretty simple. Uh, you know, I'm not, not trying to throw you under the bus or anything like that. Just basic. Mm. Just having okay. some fun. Low pressure. Some fun yeah. stuff. Uh, Nope, no pressure at all, okay? Put the spotlight on. Okay, here we go. So in this particular episode, we see Boimler on his first away team in command. We see a Kazinti Ensign on his away team, right? Mm -hmm. Taylor, I believe his name is, if I remember. On Star Trek. Pretty easy one. The Kazinti. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, this is a great question. Oh, my gosh. Uh, And I'm sorry. I I don't know if now's the right time for the rabbit hole. I totally know the answer to this question. The answer to this question is... Because you know this has been one of my top... You don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's one of my top five TAS episodes of all time. So this is the uh, animated series episode, The Slaver Weapon. Uh, which I believe, uh, no, I don't believe, I absolutely know for sure, was written by the great Larry Niven. And I just wanted to bring this up. I know that we're like, I'm trying to propel our way through this, but let me just see this cool connection. I looked at every single review that I could find online of this episode, and I found no mention of this. And so exclusively, right here on Trek Talking, I'm going to give you some knowledge that you can take to your friends and maybe have a good time with. So in this episode, we get the, the Dyson ring right? Uh, Corazonia is this thing that's like around this star. It's like this, uh, you know, world basically. And that concept in terms of science fiction was really explored pretty deeply by this writer named Larry Niven. He wrote this series of books. The first one was Ring World. And then they, he wrote a whole a bunch of other books that were kind of in that same world. And in that world were cat-like people, called Kazinti. He was later, after writing Ringworld, brought in as a Star Trek writer, and on the animated series, he was given the Slaver episode to write, and when he wrote that episode, he wrote his character, his characters, his race of people from Ringworld into that episode, and so the Kazinti that you see in Star Trek are literally the same Kazinti that are in the Ringworld books. And then this episode not only has Taylor the Kazinti in it, but it also has a Dyson Ringworld around it. So to me, the secret like 
knowledge of this episode is it all connects to Larry Niven. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> dude. Mind blown. Mind blown. Wow. That, that's some serious chariots of the God stuff going on there. There we go. And I, I want my go. guacamole back. <laughs> wow. So thank you for that question. That was, that was a great softball. I didn't know that was coming, but I was ready for it. Well, I love that you call that a softball. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, because I love those books, so I can't help it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm still hung up on when you were listing, le- reading off the fan names, Eric. Um, yeah. The one guy, his name was Tom Rafferty. Doesn't that sound like you should be like, uh, like somebody at Starfleet Academy? Totally. I mean, that's just that's such a perfect Star Trek it officer is. name, Tom Rafferty. I mean, yeah. that seems like a, a legendary character name. I love I that. See him, yeah, I'll see him in the minor aside, wow. but I was just like, Absolutely. wow, the dude's great. <laughs> instant, instant. Speaking of course, of he's a top fan. Oh God. Speaking of softballs, Paul. Here we go. Here, here, here's, here's your softball. I'm gonna lob it. Right let me attach my, let me attach my corset. Hold on. Okay, I'm ready. It's, this one, this is, an, this is another good one for you. Um, in this episode, we see Boimler putting command of his first mission. This wasn't the first time that we see a Star Trek regular on their first mission. Can you name an episode where we see an ensign putting command for the first time? You're not just talking lower decks. You're talking all of Star Trek. Just making sure I'm not narrowing my focus too much. Okay. And uh, first time an ensign gets his first command. Oh, I think I know. Um, Technically, he was an acting ensign. But uh, well, you just gave it. You gave the show away, then, man. You got to be talking about Wesley Crusher. It is. Yep. And Absolutely. if I'm remembering correctly, it's this wacky. Uh, you need to learn how to fail and see if you've got the right stuff. Speech from Riker in Pen Pals, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Is there anybody out there? And Data gets his answer. So these these are pretty easy. They're not too difficult. Charles gets the easiest. Charles gets the easiest one of all, actually. So uh, in this week's episode, Charles, we see a friendly AI computer running a society peacefully. Can you name another friendly AI that we see on Star Trek that's not evil and malevolent that Kirk doesn't have to talk into destructing itself? Uh, I went the other way and thinking one of my favorite AIs is got the name Zora. There we go. Absolutely. (laughs) That's that's the one. I'm going to go a little more deeper that question in cadet review. Ooh. Ooh. All right. And, uh, David, what, what's your favorite hey. topping for guacamole? Oh, it's not here. I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Um, favorite <laughs> topping? Um, I actually like to put salsa on it. Mm. I don't know why. Salsa's good. See, these are easy questions. Very, okay. very easy. <laughs> if we're talking about Star Trek, how about uh, warp core chili? <laughs> Warp core chili. There you go. There you go. And I see a question on here for me. See, I'm so senile, I write questions, and I don't even know who I'm writing them for. I see. So, 
well. So when I show yeah. up, the... <laughs> oh my god, uh, love it. There must be lag, Mike. It's fun. It's it's fun to grow. Or one of the hosts gets to the notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when I do up the show notes, I, I write stuff and I forget that I wrote it. So, Jim, here's a question for you. <laughs> so, uh, we see a Betazoid gift box in this episode. Who portrayed the original gift box on TNG? Oh. Well. Oh. Um, <laughs> Paul suddenly gets a hernia. Yeah, sorry. Or, <laughs> so, is it. Are, are we, there. Are, are we talking about the face or the voice? Ooh. The face. I, I can't even face. remember. Well, you're the one that asked the, the question, so. <laughs> the face and the voice, the same person. Are they? Yes, they are. Ooh. That's my understanding. Tell me, tell who me. Who did it? Come on, well, Jim. I, who did? Who? Who was that? Well, let me see. He's got. He's he's got the lobes for business. Well, not at that time. Does. He develops he develops the lobes for business much later. But he does have those lobes playing other Ferengi prior to playing Cork, surely. Uh, we're talking about Armin Shimmerman, the one and only. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mr. Oh. Shimmerman. Mr. All right, guys. Yeah. Well, that's, that's uh, Uncle Jim's uh, quick and easy trivia. Now it's time for some cadet training with Charles. All right. Well, in this title, <clears throat> I've got all kinds of stuff. There were a lot of Easter eggs. Uh, Lower Decks, No Small Parts, Series 1, Episode 10, Turn of Landry. Landry. Uh, sorry, Landry. man, it's Landry. Landru. I know the Y and the U are right next to each other on the keyboard, so it's an easy typo to make. <laughs> I blame Jim for that. Okay, and who's Landru? It's always Jim's fault. I'm one of the two. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> uh, as Eric discussed with us, the animated series, the Slaver Weapon Series 1, Episode 14, the Gazindi, original cat-like, and one of the incidents on the away mission. We walked into the anomaly storage and realized I got to go look at that storage room a little better. Let's start off with TOS, a muck time. Series 2, episode 1, the Vulcan Lurpa. TOS, the Changeling, series 2, episode 3, where we get to see Nomad. TNG Haven, Series 1, Episode 11, The Betazoid Gift Box. DS9, Move Along Home, Series 1, Episode 10, The Chula Game by the Wadi. TOS, The Enterprise Incident, Series 3, Episode 2, an item that looks like the Romulan cloaking device. We see our crew playing with isolinear chips. Oh, TNG, The Naked Male, episode series, season one, episode three, where we get to see isolinear chips. 
Lower Decks, Cupid's Arrow, Arrow uh, Cuban's Errant Arrow, Season 1, Episode 5, The Team 99 Diagnostic Tool, and the 10U. As they're showing off their tools they're having to play with. AIs. Well, here's a few AIs we run into. Zora from Discovery. The Soon Android series, predominantly TNG. Landry, TOS, Return of the Icon, Season 1, Landry. Episode 21. Archons. Moriarty, TNG, Elementary My Dear Data, Season 2, Episode 3. The Doctor from Voyager, as we were discussing. Deejer from Star Trek The Motion Picture. M5, TOS, The Ultimate Computer, Season 2, Episode 24. And Nomad, TOS, The Changeling, Season 2, Episode 3. And that's just some of the AIs we have dealt with. Mm-hmm. It sounds like with all this information, time to talk about this episode. Oh, Before yeah. we get into Absolutely. the specifics of the episode, can I bring up something Lower Decks related that I think we should discuss? Do it. Absolutely. Briefly. I promise it'll be briefly because there's been a little bit of time uh, on the show in the last few weeks where we got into conversations about captain's catchphrases, right? I'm sure we all remember this, right? You know, hit it, blah, 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 uh-huh. right? And uh-huh. th- this whole discussion. Well, I think there was an omission in that conversation that needs to be rectified <laughs> because I just, me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think that got mentioned and I just discovered, discovered stumbled across that the other night. And I think that's the, the best freaking captain's yeah. warp out catchphrase ever. Yeah. Warp me. It's <laughs> the way she says it with such conviction. Like she's ready to throw down. I was just like, that's that's just priceless. So I don't know. It needs to be elevated up in the uh, the uh, the lexicon of uh, catchphrases, in my opinion. So absolutely, yay, Carol Freeman. Yay. You know, <laughs> go about your lives, citizens. Go about your lives. I'll have to pull out all the catchphrases and and throw out a catchphrase and see if you can name the captain that used it. We'll do that for a future. Well, and I feel like, you know, we've been, I, I've been sort of postulating for a while here that maybe our theme song is a little out of date because we don't have any Lower Decks references. We don't have any mm. um, Picard, Picard references. So it might be about time for Jim and I, Jim and my brains, and potentially Paul's brain to come together to form some sort of new uh, master song to rule them all. We'll have to see. Count me in. Oh. I work cheap. I, I seem to remember in the lyrics, Tendy's dog ransom is very hard. Oh, we do. We do do. Oh, you're <laughs> right. We do do lower, but we don't do any Picard, you know. No. Uh, and we don't do any Strange New Worlds. So, but Can you're I right. We, we, it was kind of like do some sort of rudimentary lays or something. <laughs> Dude, this is a group project. We're going to bring in all the ideas. It's going to be great. All right. Time to go to future. What? What? Let's let's dive in and talk about this episode. What do you say? Okay. Do it. Sound good? Do it, do it, do it. So, you know, I, I got to say that I really enjoy the um, the Boimler part of the story. 
Um, I thought that was great. And I really like the, the new Vulcan that they have. I think she brings a Kalin. lot to the show. Kalin is just, she is amazing. And Tendi going, going double. I mean, she's incredible. I just, I really like what they're doing with the show. I really do. I think they're going in the right direction. And it, it was a lot of fun. All the stuff that Charles mentioned was great. I, I like the characterization that they came up with for Ransom in the last episode. And, of course, I'm going to throw a big butt in here. Very, very disappointed at the hazing of this episode. <laughs> that bothered me because I wouldn't think that they would be hazing on Star Trek, especially with everything that's going on with hazing in the real world. Uh, for them to do it in Star Trek doesn't seem right to me. So I didn't like the hazing part of the episode at all. Um, but the rest of it, I I enjoyed immensely. Just didn't like the hazing thing. Um, what did they? Do? Well, I'm that, trying to remember what they did thing. for hazing. What did they do? I don't. Well, at the very well, so the whole yeah. Go ahead, Jim. The whole sorry. yeah. The whole thing with that with the lieutenant that assigns them to uh, check every scan single every chip. isolinear chip by hand yeah. um, is is hazing. And, it's revealed uh, at the very, Penny, very end of the episode that he actually was hazing them the entire time. Oh, and that's him and right. Ransom have a good laugh about uh, it. Yeah, under Ransom's command. And I'm like, you know, that to me is a big step backwards. Uh, they should have just left it and not gone down the hazing route. That turned me off a little bit. Yeah, I, I think really that's a good point. Say, yeah, I, 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 it didn't even really, you know, I can, it was where it's revealed at the end of the episode. I think it kind of flew by me, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really very, good point. very end. Up to that point, I was really enjoying it. I thought, you know, this officer was really cool. He was talking about Andorian slop jazz where they got to drool out of their mouths or whatever that was, and <laughs> you know, I, I really enjoyed it where they were going with it. I was like, wow, uh, especially Boimler. I thought Boimler really learned a lot about command on the planet. I really, but when they, when they threw in, Oh, it was hazing. And Jack Ransom was like, Oh, you pulled out the Chula box and they're high-fiving and drinking to the hazing of the, of the, the new lieutenant. I was like that. I didn't like. So overall though, I enjoyed the episode other than the hazing. And for me, I'm going to go with a 7.5. I think overall. So who, who wants to jump in there? How about David? Did, are you done with your guacamole, David? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe? I'm looking for it in the garbage. <laughs> well, I remember had that hairs nasty hair in first. it. <laughs> yeah, I don't see any hairs in it. You want to jump uh, in next, David? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, the hazing didn't really bother me too much. I mean, it's just kind of like a, you know, how family joke around with each other. Just It kind of made it to me feel like it was just a family that was joking around together. So I know that at the end, they didn't really explain it to the lieutenants that they were doing that. But, you know, they probably did it off screen, maybe. I don't know. Other than that, I, I did like how Boimler was super excited about him um, giving out his first command for his uh, away mission that he had because he just got promoted and he was just super excited and stuff. But he also has this, uh, uh, what do they call it? This, uh, uh, 
superiority complex, I guess you could call it, because she was like the the only one that wanted to do everything, and he just couldn't let anyone else help him, which is kind of an interesting thing, I guess. I mean, I guess that's how how he always has been. But to me, I was like, wow, that's just a little strange. <laughs> But I mean, I think it was just more, more for like the comedy aspect of it. But to me, I was just like, okay, well. But uh, other than that, uh, I liked the episode. It was, it was pretty interesting. Um, it definitely had a different feel to it now since they're not all ancients anymore. <laughs> but to me, um, let's see what else was pretty cool. Oh yeah, uh, so. We all talk, talked about Landru, the AI. So if he's on the Ring World, is he called a Ringru? Um, he's not on a land, right? So I don't know. Kind of a stupid joke, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, David, man. I love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dad joke, but. <laughs> um... <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, this particular episode, I thought it was. It was very entertaining. Um, the last two episodes, though, this season four has definitely gotten a lot better, I think. It, it seems like it's getting a little better and better as they go on in the season. So I'm really looking forward to next week's episode, the week after, and all the way to the end. Because I'm really hoping that um, since they had a crossover with the uh, live action, maybe they might do a crossover with the live action into cartoon with a different crew. Who knows? I mean, it would be interesting if they did like a Discovery mix. So that would be kind of fun to see. But other than that, um, yeah, this season, um, I'm not quite giving it a 10 per se. There was a lot of things that I'm something in the back of my mind keeps saying like there was something I need to talk about, but I forgot what it was. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm going to go pretty close to 10 and I'm actually going to go for a 9.8. So there you have it. 9.8. All right, Paul, you want to jump in here? Sure, man. Sure. Um, I don't think necessarily, I mean, I enjoyed it. I don't think it was necessarily as good as the first two though, out of the gate this season. Um it was interesting that they chose to abandon the uh, what did someone call it the mystery ship idea that we did they took a little break from that which I thought was kind of odd because after two in a row you're kind of expecting it so it was an interesting thing to me that uh, that they chose to just sort of drop that for a while presumably it'll come back maybe this week I don't know but uh, it was a little strange. Um, uh, but it was okay. Um, I, I did feel kind of like some of our uh, fans' comments were, were pretty much on the nose. That it just kind of it felt like it was a little bit more uh, you know, references rather than story in this one, right? It, you know, I, I just don't think it uh, it was as, as strongly written as some of the other ones uh, in general. There, there were some really great moments, though. Um, when they're looking at the Corazonians' art and uh, and <laughs> ransom, ransom, pop, like ransom pops off it. with this amateur lack of focus and balance. That just, <laughs> it deepens his character, man. That's like yeah. not just a weightlifting meathead. <laughs> yeah, just the fact that he's able to pop off with that was 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 pretty great. But um, I want to echo what uh, uh, what Jim said because uh, I think if there's a a, a theme or or a component if you will, that's emerging 
for this season, it's Talin, man. Talin is just great. Um, really a foil and uh, and just easy re- to relate to. And just we're going to bring Talin along in case there's any science stuff happens. All right. <laughs> you know, and she's great. Everything really that has ever happened science. has always been science stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I I need an episode that's all to Lynn and all Dr. Ta'ana, and I would be super happy, right? Where it's just nothing but the the blue uniforms just wreaking havoc together and uh, and putting each other back and forth in their place because uh, those two have been most consistently entertaining these last couple of uh, episodes. So I I thought it was pretty fun, um, uh, you know. Uh, but you know, like Boimler getting freaked out and carrying the things and have to reinstall them again, the, whatever they were, the tubes or the hoses or whatever they were, right? And, and oh, okay, now I've got to carry them back. It, it got a little tedious a little quick for me, right? Where in his, his, he's trying to do this whole leading by example thing and his, you know, his, uh, his charges are watching him and getting frustrated. And I kind of felt like the audience was feeling the same way, uh, right? Just kind of like going, okay, enough with this. Let's get on. So, and then the, the mechanizations of trying to move the game and not let the dude discover it and kind of hiding and running down the hall. It just, it just kind of felt like it was kind of lurching along and not as clever as some of the writing has been in the past. Um, So I don't know what it was. It just felt like this was a bit more filler uh, for me. Not that there weren't some fun moments in it because there sure were, I mean, but it just not a lot of what I would call my favorite uh, fun moments. So for me, I would probably be content giving this one a seven. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's a fairly good fit because it's enjoyable. It's not, not enjoyable when you're watching it. It's just, they've done a lot better. And, uh, and I just think that they, you know, uh, this one seemed like it was kind of like, okay, let's catch our breath after the, uh, the first two, you know, pilot episodes that they launched with this season. So it's all right, but uh, didn't blow my skirt up. So seven for me. Seven. All right. Charles, you want to jump in here next? Sure. <clears throat> uh, okay, start off with Jim's point. Hazing. Hazing's not always as bad as you think. It's just <clears throat> it's a way of having somebody that hasn't done something before and kind of just joking with them a little bit. I've actually involved a little bit of hazing myself in the Navy because there's a tradition when you cross the international date line and there's this whole thing we you do on board ship early in the morning in dealing with it. So that to me, it just, that's, the way the military is and I don't think the military is going to change there is severe hazing that you do in some of the cadets in some of the schools but I don't think it needs to go that far doesn't it just kind of though Charles is curious I mean uh, you know because a lot of times as culture we evolve beyond certain things that we used to do and that we used to accept that we no longer do right it's like you know I mean uh, I'm I'm wondering, you know, because I think to Jim's point, it kind of feels like it is almost. And I'm not saying the Navy per se, but just the, but the 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 institutionalization of it as a tradition yeah. kind of perpetuates bullying, 
right? I mean, I think the armed forces has, like, particularly like the Air Force right now, just to pick something randomly, huge problem with perpetualizing, you know, uh, assault against female members, right? right? Then they may think, well, we've just always done it, so why not just abuse a few more income? No, that? That, I mean, that's not okay. When it, when it gets to bullying, no, that's not acceptable. But Would you agree it's up to the rich... commanding officer, though, to say where the line is, what, what constitutes bullying, and what constitutes hazing? I mean, who, where, do, where should new people to the environment look to to see where the line is, I guess well, is what I'm curious I don't about. Know where the li- <clears throat> I don't know where the line is right now. This would, for me, that was a long time ago in an older time period. That would have been eighties, late eighties when that occurred. So I'm not sure if something like that still even occurs. But I could see it's like, yeah, I could picture you putting an ensign on these kind of duties. But you'd put a, a JG in there, and it's like, okay, let's make it feel like an ensign by doing this meaningless task. And ironically, when she did it, she did find a bad ship. And there was a problem in the system. But you normally expect that wouldn't be a task that would go to an that would go wouldn't go to a JG. But they're gonna make them feel a little bit like ensigns by doing an ensign type task. <clears throat> I thought they had a lot of fun. <clears throat> As we had a comment in chat about some people liking lower decks and some people not liking lower decks. And to me, it's a bit of a little lookout for the fans. Hey, let's throw these little things in there. I thought the aud- the oddities room was a bit of an oddity. And I like some of the stuff they threw in there. Oh, let's go back and highlight. Let's go into some little object that's going to remind us back to this other episode. As we think back, oh, wait a minute, that weapon looks familiar. Oh, wasn't that the one that Spock and Kirk fought with on a muck time? Yeah, oh, I bet there's one or two fans like, oh, I want to go back and watch a muck time. I want to go see that battle again. How many of them thought the episode that a lot of fans are not crazy about? But going back to uh, Move Along Home, that was an interesting episode because Quark gets his friends involved in a game. A game, we're not sure what the consequences were. But I think it might get people to look back and say, oh, let's go back and look at that episode. So I think it's something the fans might want to look back occasionally and enjoy. Boimler. Boimler, to me, is so used to being an ensign. Takes a little bit for some people to give up doing it themselves to to make other people do it. We started to realize, okay, can't do this by myself. I need the help of the team. I thought interesting what nobody's mentioned this, but I thought it rather interesting that the captain chose to come in and try to repair the computer. 
It was yeah. She got one help. Yeah. <laughs> she got help from an engineer, but normally captains don't do that. But you'll notice she was doing the same thing Boimler was doing. No, let me work on this. I don't want to pass it down to somebody else. And sometimes there are cases where you feel like, hey, I don't want to. I don't want somebody. I don't want to tell somebody how to do it. I want to do it to know it's done right. And then at the end, boiler. Okay. Oh, there's the statistics where in, uh, JGs on their first mention, only a small percentage of them die or critically injured. Oh yeah, we got to make boiler one of them. Almost gets him killed. And that was... Okay, whatever somebody just did, do it again. Bring him back. And that's a... Oh, okay, that is our doctor. Oh, yeah, Ta'ana says, uh, give me 30 cc's of whatever just brought him back. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And you laugh at... And to me, I laugh at that joke. That's that's our doctor. She doesn't have the greatest bedside manner, but man, she's gonna make sure she's gonna keep her patients alive. Ah, uh, I think I'm gonna put this one at an eight point five, and pass this thing over to Eric. You yeah. get the caboose, Eric. Man, you guys made and some hopefully super... left something on the platter. Yeah, well, I, you know, I'll do some agreeing, I'll do some disagreeing, and maybe bring up something new. So, I, yeah, I completely agree with you guys. I, I literally started my scoring of this episode at a four simply because Talyn was a major part of it. <laughs> I think she is the perfect straight woman for Boimler's antics. Like you look at that kind of connection that uh, a lot of comic pairs often have. You got a straight man, and you got a somebody who's not the straight man. What's the opposite of straight man, Paul? Is there a is there a term for that? I don't know. The other guy. Uh, it's like the Boimler. Patsy? The Pat. Yeah, I don't know. Boy, yeah, Boimler is like one thing, and Talyn just provides the perfect counterpoint to him, and all the things that she says are totally straight, totally Vulcan, and absolutely hilarious in the way that they're um, delivered. So I just, I, she's absolutely one of my favorite parts of this episode. Um, I thought the anomaly storage room was kind of fun. Didn't we see that once before? Isn't that the same place that they had to like clean up before in a different episode somewhere? Yeah, I think they've crossed into a similar room, but only real quickly. Okay, I thought I thought there was some other plot of another episode somewhere that was like based on a thing that kind of went wonky from a room like this, where Tendy turned into a giant scorpion. Yeah, that's the one. I I can't remember what that is. So I wondered if this was the same room. I mean, you know, it's so funny. As soon as our ensigns, our newly minted, uh, what, it's not junior lieutenants. What is it? Lieutenant junior grade? Yeah. Lieutenant junior grades. They, yeah. uh, and Rutherford's like, ah, oh, this is, this gives us access to this cool room. And it is fun because as you scan around the room, you see all these things that all of our fans have already brought up uh, or our experts have already brought up. You got the Lirpa. Um, you got the Romulo cloaking device. There's a bat lift. Uh, in there, which I assume yeah. is maybe like Kalis's Batleth or something. I'm not really, I'm not really sure. Um, you got the gift box. 
You got the Catan Probe from Inner Light, which I don't think has been mentioned yet, uh, which is a nice JLP reference. And then you got the Chula game. So, you know, it was fun to see that that type of room. Probably one of my favorite kind of like looking back at previous Lower Decks episodes moments is absolutely when Boimler dies and he sees the, <laughs> the vision oh, of the black. Yes of the Black Mountain, um, which I believe Shaq's talked about after he came back from the dead, uh, all the way back and we'll always have Tom Paris. And then the koala shows up again because, you know, it's the universe Uh, is on the back of a koala. Uh, Paris, what does a koala koala say? Uh, I don't think koalas make any sound, do they? Oh, no, this one spoke. Oh, 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 yeah, it makes this weird sound, and I think if you play it backwards, it's like, uh, mm-hmm. he says something like, it's not your time to die, Boimler, or something Boimler's like that, Boimler's right? not your time. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, which which I thought was really, because it was like, you could hear that it was a backwards thing, and somewhere on the internet I found a little thing that um, reversed it so you could yep. listen to it, so... Yeah, that's great. Thanks I, for bringing that up, Charles. I, I thought, forgot to mention it. When I was watching that, I thought he said, pardon me, pass the great Poupon, but I... <laughs> <laughs> well, you can... didn't say pass the guacamole. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I I don't know if how many other cool... I mean, there's like the whole, like, um, uh, what's his name, Landry... Or no, not uh, sorry, not Landry. Uh, who's the guy... The one, I'm sorry, I didn't write down his name. The lieutenant that they bring into this, the one that's kind of dogging on all of the new ju- lieutenant junior grades. What's his name? The guy with the blonde hair there that that is talking with Bill with a uh, boy. Uh, sorry, with ransom. The water bones with Ferret. Anyway, yeah. Well, no, I think it's. I think it was actually Billups's Ferret, but. <laughs> but <laughs> Whoever oh, the other the one who signed the the entrance to do the yeah, uh, yeah whoever that guy's I can't remember what his name is yeah um but uh his whole thing with like his jazz love and all of the kind of like oh yeah Tellerite slop jazz and you know <laughs> all of these different types and then later in the episode uh, Mariner's like you know I'm, I'm kind of like starting to like this stuff <laughs> so <laughs> it was a nice little moment um. Paul, I'm going to quiz you on one thing. A little bit of it was revealed before, so the source of it was revealed. I'm going to I'm going to see if you can figure out where it was though. So earlier, one of our um, one of our fans mentioned that there was a Twin Peaks reference in this episode. Do you know what that Twin Peaks episode was or uh, reference was? Oh uh, well, first of all, I think the guy you're uh, thinking of is Lieutenant Dirk. Mhm. Mhm. Was I right? Absolutely. That's what I'm remembering. So I think it's it's. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, ask me again, buddy. It's like it's which episode of Twin Peaks is it? Well, it's not an episode of Twin Peaks. There's a there's a recurring thing in Twin Peaks that is referenced, and I'll give you the I'll give you the specific moment in this episode. It's when Boimler dies and he goes to the room where the koala is. Oh, I know what you're talking about. What am I talking about? It's a, well, it, it's almost it's 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 right out of uh, the same lexicon as uh, Black Widow. That's why I remember it. The Red Room. Yes. 
the red room, the waiting room yeah. from Twin Peaks, yeah. the floor there, the zigzag it, it, Or the sometimes they would even, I've, I've heard people, it's been so long since I've had many Twin Peaks thoughts because, you know, it's been a few years. A long time. But I've heard people also refer to that as the Black Lodge also. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But isn't it like where he would go to basically speak with uh, deceased Laura Palmer? Yep, exactly. That's what yeah. I thought. Yeah. yeah. So that was cool to have that sort of reference in there. I thought if there was one person here that might get that, it might be you. So thank you, Paul. Uh, it's been a, like I said, it's been a while, man. I mean, I can't. It's you know, it's because uh, Twin Peaks is like such a deep well of stuff. It really is. You know, I think I would if it ever came down to trivia, I would do way better on X Files than than Twin Peaks. So I guess when it comes right down to it, uh, my summary is thus: I gave it a four for Talin. I gave it a plus one for the Boimler to Lynn plot because I really thought that Boimler actually went through the most character development in this episode. And I thought that that was really cool, kind of learning how to delegate. And I also gave a plus one just for the, the idea of bringing leadership and delegation back into Star Trek and kind of talking about it again, because it's the perfect moment after these guys just got promoted to, you know, put them in a new situation where they don't exactly know what they're doing there. I also gave it plus one for all the Kazinti and Ringworld stuff, which I just thought, of course, because I'm a total Larry Niven fan, was, was totally cool. And I gave it plus one for the Koala references and all the other references. But I minus off for Carol Freeman's plot in general. Like, no captain in Starfleet would actually <laughs> make the decision to actually do the thing by herself. It just, like, I thought that was totally ridiculous. And actually, what is it called – uh, Paul, when you when you do something plot wise just to make something else happen, but there's like no other really good reason to do it. I know that I, that I call it contrivance. Contrivance. <laughs> so, so that was total contrivance, and I didn't think the Carol Freeman plot was believable or even fun to like to like go through. Honestly, I mean, so, you know, the computer gets rebooted several times. Blah blah blah. That's about all there was to it. Yeah, because she's t- not like an egotistical character who no. wants to get a lot of attention, and no. she doesn't have a lot of you know technical knowledge. So it seemed really arbitrary, right? It's I like mean, it was- it's like putting her in the in a in a space where she's not represented as a capable captain. And we've already like spent a lot of time in this show showing that California class ships actually can be capable. So to put her in this goofy thing where she's totally like doing non-captain stuff, I really... It undermined her coolness. It totally undermined her coolness. So I didn't like that. And then um, and then I took off a point, too, for the hazing stuff. Um, I just... The whole culture around hazing and bullying has changed over the last, you know, 30, 40 years, dudes. And um, it's no longer accepted. And I just don't... I'm with Jim on this. I don't think that it's cool for... Star Trek to be portraying this as a like yuck yuck isn't it funny that we're like hazing these people no dude that's the kind of stuff that like we're trying to avoid in today's society and is completely inconsistent with Star Trek um idic thinking so I I I didn't like that and I just took another half point off because I didn't feel like I had gotten to the right answer yet so uh I'm gonna give this episode a 6.5 and I can't go any higher Wow. Can I just say it is fascinating. I, I feel like I just got a really cool like behind the scenes thing because you took us through how you score this, right? You don't just come up with a number. It's like yeah. an equation for you. You've got different elements and every element gets assigned a value. And yeah. Some are negative and some are positive. And so you're actually doing like a weird Excel sheet to come up with your score. I was just like, that's fascinating. You always I wonder how to... people, each person does their own thing. I was just like, yeah, that's uh, like... really amazing. 
it's my ab attempt at objectivity in a totally subjective context, right? Hey, Eric, are you ear pointier than usual? <laughs> <laughs> I do tend a little bit that way. Yeah, maybe Eric <laughs> should do all of our taxes for us because he's very, <laughs> he's very objective. He's, you know, I think he might get us a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a fan score of 7.5, and our truck spurts were kind of bouncing around. Charles, what, what did our truck spurts have to say? Well, I just want to throw one more thing out that I've forgotten. <clears throat> Paul mentioned that we'd not seen the mystery ship at all this time. And one of the things out there I watched kind of gave me a wonder if, there, if maybe the planet's computer was a red herring to the plot. Hmm. We'll have to see. AI, maybe AI might have something to do with what's going on. Hmm. With that still around. So we might see this computer again. This. Uh, yeah. We might, well, we might see an AI out there. Hmm. But the I think it's the I think it's the ancestor of the whale probe. Myself, it's a baby whale. Hmm. I didn't know you could speak whale. <laughs> well, Charles, what do we come up with for scores? Oh. Well, surprisingly, we were just a little bit above the fans as usual. With a fan score of 7.5 and a host score of 7.86. What? Okay. There you wow. Go. What is our score again? Wow. 7.86? There you go. 7.86. Uh -huh. Well, you know, David took it way up there. I think, David, didn't you give it the highest score? He did. Nine, David Hall. He threw yeah, the average off. They, they, I think... Uh, I think that the uh, writer's room at Lower Decks owes you some money, David. I think so. <laughs> well, I'm going to let Eric Because uh, you really took it up she... way above the, 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 the bar there. Uh, like they, yeah, I'm going to let they're Eric handle the money. <laughs> He's got more points of ear than I am. <laughs> it was the hairs and the guacamole. Uh, yeah, I finally figured out what it was. It was my lost quibble. That could be. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, we're going to talk about next about uh, episode two of Very Short Treks called Holiday. And if you didn't see it, here it is. Happy First Contact Day, everyone. The captain asked me to MC this event. I guess he believes the ship is immune from engineering problems when you're having a party. As you know, we're celebrating the first interaction between humans and Vulcans. Clearly, I am neither, so I've asked Mr. Spark to run tonight's entertainment. Thank you, Lieutenant Hammer. It is a duty I do not take lightly. Great, whatever. Someone give me a drink. I believe the best entertainment is meditating on how to quietly eradicate all emotions. However, it is logical to offer up entertainment the majority prefers, even when that preference is for something as unpalatable as comedy. I will now show you a series of embarrassing errors our crew has endured so that you may laugh about them. It is called a blooper reel. 
Computer, roll clip. The interference is preventing me from beaming him up. Sir, it's too risky. We have to beam him up now, so do it. Blooper. It is funny because he normally does have legs. Uh, <clears throat> Spock. Mm. Uh, no. Hmm. We will skip the next few clips since it is more of the same. Computer, roll clip number seven. Spock, I am leaving you. It is Carmu that I love, not you. Our marriage is off. Do not follow me. Uh, are you all right? It is funny because it is self-deprecating. I am shattered by this. Ha <laughs> ha. I have others. She has dumped me for other men several times. No? This one is good. Computer, roll clip number 15. Captain, they're going to crash! Silence for 6,000 Federation souls lost. <laughs> big, big blooper. Mr. Spock, a blooper reel shouldn't include an in-memoriam. Also not to be that guy, but my uncle died on that ship. If small misfortunes are funny, bigger misfortunes should elicit bigger laughs. That is quite logical. No, no. A blooper should be small, like walking into a door or mispronouncing Spock as Spork. <laughs> Spork. In that case, I have one more to try. Computer, roll clip. Uh, out of the way! The space area! Break uh, me, Bob! Uh, The ensign hurt his genitals and then farted, but did not die. Funny? <laughs> it's perfect. In that case, come here, Lieutenant. Live blooper. Fuck! Fuck! No! Oh, boy. All right, Eric, what did our fans have to say about this one? Top fan Warner A. Bellinger III gave it an 8. Top fan Elanka Liska also gave it an 8. Peter Makovic gave it a 1. Tackett McClenny said a 3. It sucked less than the first one is about all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) Call in, Tackett, if you're on. Please. Richard B. West, a nine. If Anson Mount had been on, I would have given it an 11. Elaine Ourdain said a five for this one and a two for the previous one. Top fan Richard Chang said this episode was much better than the first one, which was over the top and worth five in my opinion. Ethan Peck did a wonderful job. I'd give it an eight. Lee Wheel said I thought it was hilarious. Definitely an eight. Ashley Williams gave it a six. Ironically, it was funny because it wasn't funny, LLL. <laughs> and top fan Robert M. Schneider said a three. 
and that's only because Hemmer was there, and the voices were by the actors who played them on Strange New Worlds. That gives us a fan score for this short, short trek of 5.9. Well, Paul, you want to start us out? You want to take the engine out of the station? Sure. Happy to, yeah. Um, I I would also say I think it was a little better than the first one. Um, uh, from... <laughs> Hammer spork moment was what saved it for me. I mean, that was just, that was, his delivery was just so great. Spork. <laughs> I thought that was great, but that was like, it's just, uh, it's not necessarily what I would call my style of comedy. Um, it, it's like, I have no way of gauging this, right? Other than just my own kind of like, what I would call comedy spider sense of like the certain kinds of jokes and references that seem to get written by certain people from certain, let's just say, age-related demographics, if you will. And I don't like to paint one generational the same brush just because of their age. But I, I kind of feel like maybe the demographic that might enjoy this episode the most would be probably the demographic of the age of the people that wrote it would be my guess i can't swear it not that i've looked these writers up on anywhere to see uh but there's kind of a certain how can you say it millennial hipster vibe to a lot of the comedy kind of like trying to lean into dark irony and occasional descents into scatological humor and and just, you know, grotesquerie for the sake of being obtuse. It very much seems like big beard, flannel-shirted, uh, half-calf frappuccino type thing to me in pencil-thin jeans and whatnot. And I could be way wrong, and I know I'm not trying to make a cultural stereotype out of anyone, but my guess is that that demographic would probably find this a lot funnier than, say, a demographic of folks who are, say, over 40. Uh, I could be wrong, but uh, but it's just the vibe I got from these. They seem like they're written by by they got a real millennial flavor to the writing. Yet people are clearly old enough to sort of remember the the animated series so who the hell knows um i don't think it's all that great um i think it was okay um you know like i said better than last week but i don't know that this experiment of these very short treks is uh i don't know that history is going to be super kind to this it's, it's you know are we giving it number scores we are aren't we yeah you know, we are yeah, I I don't know. I'd give it a six, maybe. Uh, I feel like I'm being generous. And if it wasn't for Hammer, I'd probably be giving it like a four. <laughs> yeah, I'll, let's just say six. You know, because I don't know. I, I really these are these are very odd. And I think that's the one thing we can all agree on. They're very odd. <laughs> very odd. How about you, David? What do you think? <sighs> Uh, I didn't find this one very funny. The last week episode was actually funnier. Um, not too much, but I'm also having a blank uh, of what I scored last week's episode. Does anybody remember? I think you gave okay. it a 9.9. 9. Oh. <laughs> What's the David average? No, I don't think he went that high. Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, I... I was thinking just while listening to this uh, 
uh, the the uh, the clip. I was thinking, I just, I don't know. I mean, it seemed very dry humor. I don't really do dry humor that much, and I guess with Vulcans are just nothing but dry humor. But um, I don't know. It, it, to me, this one didn't really shine for me very much. So yeah, even it was it was nice to have the Strange New World crew on there, but. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I might end up giving this one a five. So it's, it's not as great as I was hoping for, but yeah. All right, a five. How about you, Charles? Charles Sorry, I had somebody. <clears throat> I had, I had somebody passing by my keyboard, so I was trying to mute my mic there for a moment. Uh. I'm thinking of the kind of the basis Eric gave last week. I'll give it a five flat up. Just trying to repeat the animation. I'll give it a one for Hammer and attempting to do some of the Strange New World crew. And leave it at that. And give it a whole six. All right, a six. How about you, Eric? Yeah, I think I'm right there with the gang. Uh, not super funny. I guess in some ways I can appreciate the humor of, you know, Spock having to be the host of a holiday party. If you've ever hosted a holiday party and you're, you're you know, you know what that feels like, then, then maybe it resonates with you a little bit. And I like that um was off, which I do think is funny. Although it's not what they're doing with him in Strange New Worlds right now. Right now he is exploring that human side, so it's almost like they used old references for a new Spock, so that's why it didn't totally work. Um, the one line that I laughed out loud at, and maybe maybe I'm the only one, but the, the punchline there at the end that Spock says about <laughs> he's like, ah, he hurt his genitals and farted. And that, that's super lowbrow, man, but like, I don't know. It made me laugh after an episode of me going, "What the hell's happening right now?" So, um, so yeah, I, I, I thought last week's was really bad. Um, this week's was a little better, and I liked the first episode the best. So I'll give this one a six, but that's probably a little generous as well. Well, I'll wrap up the caboose on this one. Uh, I thought it was great to see Hammer back, and not as yeah. a zombie. As really him, uh, so that that was a plus, and I really liked that they had the actual crew doing the voices. That was a plus too. Now, correct me if I'm I might be wrong, but the ensign that got hit in the nuts was the same guy that blew up the ship last week, was it? Oh, maybe I didn't I thought, notice. Yeah, I didn't notice so that. It sounded and looked an awful lot like that same nameless captain dude. I might be wrong, hmm. but hmm. yeah, at any rate, it's irrelevant. Um. Yeah, so you know, I don't. It's hard to score these things because, like, like, yeah, just like Paul said, they're so odd. Like, what's um, a ten in this format? But I don't even know. Yeah, it, <laughs> I'm really disappointed <laughs> because I think that to celebrate the animated Star Trek, they could have done much better than this. The humor, like Paul said, um, what is this, Beavis and Butthead? I mean. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> he said farted. <laughs> I mean, it's just 
I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Yeah, it's like um, it's not like it's having any reverence or effect, genuine affection for the animated series. It's almost more like, oh, we're so cool. We we just only you know mock it from on high, right? It kind of seems to yeah. me like they're just kind of like being a little too derisive. And to me, it, it feels more like you know not appreciating the animated series. Right, but but kind of mocking it and uh, and trolling it a little bit, and I don't really care for that. So if no, they're going to keep doing these, I, I think you need to uh, you know clean up your act a little bit, fellas, and uh, remember the audience. I I agree, I agree. Uh, I I I did like seeing Saru and Giorgio from the very first episode of Discovery, and having uh, Doug Jones Saru. Although they did put Saru in his season four uniform instead of his Discovery season one uniform, and Michael Burnham should have been on the bridge as well, and not some nameless other character. But you know, be that what it is, that was nice to see them. Um, and I'm I went Eric. You know, the, the, when uh, when Hammer says Spork and Spock said farted, I was like. Uh, you know, I, when would you ever hear Spock say farted? It's and the way that he delivered not, it, he he delivered it in a it, totally, like, stupid and ironic way, which was part of the humor of it. <laughs> yeah. So, this one was kind of, uh, how am I going to say this? I, 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 could, I could almost deal with this one, whereas the first one I couldn't handle at all. It was just <laughs> total, just... Crap! This one was crap, but uh, but a slightly less stinkier crap. Um, well, this was the third one too, yeah. Jim. Remember, this was the third. Yeah, this was. You know, I, I. You know what? I'm 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 gonna go with a seven. I'm gonna go with a seven. Just I, I like Hemmer. I like seeing Saru. I like seeing Giorgio. Uh, Spock saying farted. Hemmer saying spork. Uh, I'll go with a seven. So uh, Charles, what what's our overall uh, outlook on this one? Well, with three hosts giving it a six, <clears throat> one host giving it a seven, and one host giving it a five, we balance out to a six. Hmm. Huh? Hmm. Right, there you go. Right, right in line with the fans. Ding. Ah. Pretty, pretty interesting. I took a point higher. Oh, pretty interesting. They gave it a 5.9. Right, we gave it a six. We're right there then. All right, guys. Uh, so uh, that wraps that up. And now it's time to do our Star Trek birthdays. And uh, every week we start out with our Klingon birthday song. was not a Klingon song. And we always start off our Klingon birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we're going to remember six members of our Star Trek community who have gone before us. The first is actor Henry Darrow. Henry Darrow would have had a birthday this week. He's the actor who played uh, not only the Vulcan Admiral Savar in TNG's first season episode, Conspiracy. He also played Chakotay's dad, Kolopak, in uh, Star Trek Voyager's second season episodes, Tattoo, 
and Basics Part 1. Henry Darrow, great actor back in the day. Uh, go look him up. Uh, also co-founder with Ricardo Montalban of the um, Screen Actors Guild Ethnic Minority Committee uh, back in 1972. Happy birthday, Henry. Happy birthday as well to Larry Dobkin. He's the Emmy-nominated actor, television director, and occasional writer and producer who directed the TOS first season episode, Charlie X, one of the greats. But then, 25 years later, he would also guest star as the Klingon Kel in the TNG fourth season episode, The Mind's Eye. Lots of voice acting in his background. Uh, lots of other cool stuff in there. Larry Dobkin would have had a birthday on September 16th. Happy birthday. Happy birthday as well to Morgan Woodward. Morgan Woodward was the actor who played Simon Van Gelder in the TOS first season episode, Dagger of the Mind, and also played Captain Tracy in the second season episode, The Omega Glory. The greatest. He was just amazing. So good. Um, he has a really storied past that we don't have time to go into here, but he was also uh, at one point awarded the Golden Boot Award from the Hollywood Motion Picture and Television Fund uh, in 1988. That has to do with being like exemplary in portrayals in Westerns along the way. And he's also in the Hall of Great Western Performers at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum. Kind of a big deal. Also super into airplanes. Go look it up. Morgan Woodward would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday as well to Harry Towns. Harry Towns was an American actor who played Rhaegar in the Star Trek uh, TOS first season episode, The Return of the Archons. Uh, an Episcopal priest. He was an actor and a priest at the same time uh, and showed up in lots of television from the 70s and 80s. You would have seen him on like Incredible Hulk and Magnum P.I. and shows like that back in the day and uh, acted up until his death. So Harry Towns. Uh, super cool guy. Uh, September 18th was his birth to be 86 years old. Happy birthday, Harry. Happy birthday as well to Kathy Brown. Kathy Brown was the California-based actress who appeared as Dila in the TOS third season episode, Wink of an Eye. Kathy Brown, you know her face, blonde hair, blue-eyed, uh, definitely fit that bill on television back in the day. Um, was on Bonanza a bunch and was actually on a ton of television shows back in the day. As you can guess, uh, interestingly enough, uh, before she met uh, the person that she would eventually form a relationship with, he starred as the captain of the Enterprise. No, not that one. The Riverboat Enterprise <laughs> in the 1959 and 1961 series, Riverboat. Kathy Brown would have had a birthday just a couple days ago on the 19th. Happy birthday, Kathy. And our last remembrance goes out to Henry Gibson this week, whose birthday is today, born in 1935. He lived to be 73 years old. He was the prolific character actor who played Nilva in the Deep Space Nine six-season episode, Prophet and Lace, one of our Ferengi uh, now, this guy, Henry Gibson, he's also been all over the place, a large number of films, uh, many of them by Robert Altman uh, and Joe Dante. He's been in, um, you should look him up when you can. I'm just going to say this about him. Uh, among his Robert Altman films and stuff, um, he was uh, in The Long Goodbye in 1973, but Gibson's portrayal in Nashville, I don't know if you ever saw that. Uh, he was a country music singer named ha uh, Haven Hamilton in that, uh, in that show. It earned him a National Society of Film Critics 
Award as Best Supporting Actor, as well as a second Golden Globe nomination. He wrote and performed several songs for that film, which I said television series, sorry, film, which allowed him to share Grammy nomination for album of Best Original Score, written for a motion picture. So I think that's pretty cool. Actor, musician, great role in Nashville. Um, he was in Blues Brothers, Vacation, Magnolia, Wedding Crashers. Awesome character actor, awesome comedian, uh, considered one of the best uh, at one point in his life. So Harry Gibson would have had a birthday just today. Happy birthday, Harry. And that does it for our remembrances. So I'm going to pass this flaming birthday candle over to my good friend, Charles. Oh, thank you, Eric. Let's start off with a happy birthday to Ed Bagley Jr., actor from Los Angeles, Darling. In Star Trek Voyager's third season episode, Future's End, and Future's End Part 2. He's going to seem familiar to people. He was Dr. Victor Elrich in the TV series St. Elsewhere. Such a good show. He was Flight Sergeant Greenbean in Battlestar Galactica. And appeared as Private Conway in MASH. So you should have things. A very happy birthday to one of our previous uh, guests on the show, Sandy Gimple, American stunt woman and stunt a- and actress from, that appeared in The Cage as if she played a Telosian and the M13 creature in Man Trap. I didn't realize this, but she was the um, one of the two. In the movie Airplane, in the bar scene, she appeared as a double in Bionic Woman. She appeared in one of Jim's favorite movies, Escape from New York. She was a double in Goonies and also appears a double in Lost Boys. She's got some interesting movies that we love that she's appeared in. Happy birthday to Jeremy Roberts, who played Lieutenant Commander Dimitri Valtaine in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and Star Trek Voyager's third season episode, Flashback, and is Miso Clan in Star Trek Deep Space Nine's fourth season episode, Hipper. He runs his own fan page, and a bunch of his fans did some birthday greetings for him. Happy birthday to Christopher Held, played Lindstrom in Star Trek's original first season episode, Return of the Archons. <laughs> We're hitting that episode a lot this week. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Susan Watson, happy birthday. Actress who played Leith in Star Trek's original first season episode, Dagger of the Mind. And a final uh, happy birthday to Sierra... Peacher, actress who played Subcommander Sealock in disguise as a Vulcan ambassador to Pell in Star Trek's Next Generation <laughs> four-season episode, Data's Day. It's pesky Romulans. Yeah. And the last one on my list, Leonard uh, Crowfoot, actor who played Trent in TNG's Angel One and Lull, ununiformed in TNG's Offspring. So that's like the the gold-looking, pre-choosing an identity, lol. Yes, that was him. 
So, taking this flaming candle, might have to, it's going to start burning on the other end. Here you go, Paul. <laughs> all right, buddy. I'll try not to burn my fingers here. But first of all, we have to say happy birthday to the absolutely wonderful Gia Sandhu, uh, the actress who we all know from Strange New Worlds, who plays the perfectly cast character of Supreme. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Absolutely perfect, um, hilarious, um, able to convey just all the things you want to see about uh, Vulcan royalty, if you will, and and really deft at comedy. So producers, more to bring, please, in season three, assuming we ever get one, because she's a gem. A very, very special Trek talking happy birthday goes out to Blue Del Barrio. <laughs> Blue Del Barrio, we celebrate you. You are a non-binary actor. You were in your final year of studies at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art when you auditioned for the role of Adira Tal. And everything changed when you got that role on Star Trek Discovery. You've been acting since you were a kid at the age of seven and have become uh, a really exciting and, uh, I think, important fixture on discoveries both season three and four and hopefully down the road as well but you are you're shining a bright light for a lot of people who really feel that they are living in the dark so uh congratulations to you for your courage and your authentic uh uh depiction of this character and for just being who you are we we celebrate you and we're thrilled that you're part of the the star trek universe happy birthday also to spencer gareth from uh, Star Trek's uh, fourth season episode, one of the great friends, The Drumhead, where Spencer played uh, Simon Tarsus on that episode. Really intense role uh, under a lot of intense scrutiny uh, from the great Gene Simmons. So a pretty amazing episode. Uh, Again, I think everybody tends to rank Drumhead as one of the all-time great episodes ever of Star Trek. Um, Happy birthday goes out to Tox Olagundoye, Actress who voiced Captain Amina Ramsey in Lower Deck's first season episode, Much Ado About Boimler, as well as the third season episode, The Stars at Night. Happy birthday, Talks. Happy birthday also to English actress Ella Purnell, who voices Gwen, our favorite on Star Trek Prodigy. We love Prodigy and we love Gwen Dalla. We, uh, we really need to see more of that character and it's been really gratifying to see the fan affection for that show and for all these characters i'm proud to say i have a guindala action figure and i'm not letting go of it (laughs) happy birthday to you huge admirer of this next individual uh nigerian american actor babs olasan makon who plays Dr. Joseph Mabenga on our beloved Strange New Worlds. And wow, what a journey you've taken that character on this year, uh, in particular with the uh, the flashback uh, Klingon War episodes. Uh, really incredible depiction there. Of course, uh, I cannot mention Babs Olasamakun without his work in Dune. Uh, for Denis Villeneuve, one of the great parts uh, there at the very, comes on at the third act and just dominates that movie like there's no tomorrow. Absolutely amazing performer. We love you, sir. You are amazing. 
And a happy birthday goes out to Sean Doyle, a really tremendous actor who we acknowledge here uh, for his depiction of the fourth season Discovery episodes where he had the recurring role of Ruan Tarka, who was a very interesting character um, that teamed up. Well, I guess teamed up's the way to put it with John Brooks. With some <laughs> interesting things there. Um, uh, maybe not the greatest teaming ever, um, but a complex character. And you can always count on Sean Doyle uh, for tackling characters who certainly aren't who they always appear to be or aren't always as uh, black and white or likable as they might be. Um, I'm a massive fan of this guy from his work on The Expanse, yes. where he played the ongoing character of Deputy Secretary General Sadavir Ehrenreich um, of the UN. That's one of the great science fiction series ever. And if you are Star Trek fans bemoaning having to wait for the next season of your favorite spoke of the wheel of star of star Trek. And if you have not dove into the expanse yet, wow, do I envy you because you've got a hell of a ride in store. Stick with it. it they were finding their way in season one, but by season two, when this cat shows up, uh, when Sean Doyle gets in the mix with everyone else, it is just a house on fire. Amazing science fiction. And that's my last birthday greeting. Uh, uh, for my people here, let's pass it on over to Uncle Jim. Well, we'd like to start off our birthday celebrations by saying Jolan True to Tom Hardy, an English actor who played Sinjon in Star Trek Nemesis. Uh, you might recognize him. He's been in a few other movies here and there as well, but we're going to remember him for Star Trek Nemesis. We also want to say happy birthday to Carol McCormick, a Texan actress who plays the role of Minuet in Star Trek The Next Generation first season episode, 11001001, and Min Riker in the fourth season episode, Future Imperfect. And here's, here's a really good one. We want to say happy birthday to Aldous Hodge, the actor who played Kraft in Star Trek Short Trek's episode, Calypso. That is a top-notch episode. And if you haven't seen it, quick, run, don't walk, and watch it. It's really good. And uh, you'll get to meet Zora, the AI that we've talked so much about tonight. So happy birthday to Aldous Hodge. Uh, Next is coming up a good one, one of those rare good admirals. We want to say happy birthday to Jane Brooks, who portrayed Admiral Katrina Cornwall in Star Trek Discovery's first and second season. She's so awesome. Such a cool character. She is. He's one of those admirals that you that you you don't want to punch in the face. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? She's just great. She's Super cool. Punch. She's one of the good ones, and there's not a lot of them out there, right, Eric? It's a little tough, yeah. but, yeah, she's absolutely top tier. Yeah, she's up there. And last on my list, we want to say happy birthday to one of our brand-new family members from Star Trek Strange New World. We want to say happy birthday Christina Chong, who is the anchor's actress who plays Leon Noonien Singh in Star Trek Strange New World. Woo-hoo! And that, my friends, wraps up our Star Trek birthdays, and now it's time for some Star Trek Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. 
All right, Eric, you got you got the first story, and it's a classic. It's our favorite segment. Shatner says, what? William Shatner names his favorite sci-fi movies of all time. The actor, singer, and iconic captain of the USS Enterprise, William Shatner, has seen his fair share of interstellar adventures, which are the sci-fi films that left an indelible mark on his psyche. Well, uh, he loves E.T., Steven Spielberg's epic from 1982. The actor describes it as, quote, one of the most profound science fiction films because it dealt with childhood fantasy. Shatner speaks to its evocative power, discussing the possibility that reality is only a glimpse into a child's mind. Star Wars, episodes four through six, uh, of course from 19, uh, these dates are wrong, but uh, he praised the original Star Wars trilogy, particularly the innovative cinematic effects introduced by George Lucas's Industrial Light and Magic. He critiqued the prequel for using the same technology to bring to life, quote, perhaps the most annoying character ever. I think we all know who he's talking about, referring to you-know-who. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Steven Spielberg from 1977. His appreciation for Close Encounters of the Third Kind is also palpable. It's another film that teases the enduring myth of alien civilizations. Alien, Ridley Scott's uh, masterpiece from 1979, he flips the script with Alien, praising it as, quote, one of the most frightening movies ever made and commending director Ridley Scott for knowing, quote, exactly how to mount the tension and surprise us with those delirious effects. Star Trek The Motion Picture, Robert Wise, and from 1979, revisiting his own legacy, Shatner wryly comments on Star Trek The Motion Picture, alluding to its basic strengths in character, plot, and development. With a dad joke style humor, he jests about the, quote, wonderful, handsome, dynamic, leading man, who played the captain. <laughs> nice 2001, A Space Odyssey, Stanley Kubrick, 1960, is this 69? I thought it was 68, but it's one of those two, heralded as, quote, of genius by Shatner, with its mystifying ending prompting multiple viewings. Quote, what does it mean? The actor begs, can anybody explain? Apollo 13, Ron Howard, 1995, the realness of Apollo 13 strikes a chord with Shatner, though he acknowledges it's not pure sci-fi. Avatar, James Cameron, 2009. Shatner describes Avatar as, quote, the sum total of all the science fiction movies with its immersive 3D effects eliciting literal goosebumps. And finally on Shat's list is 1997's uh, Contact by Robert Zemeckis, powerful and thought-provoking meditation on life beyond Earth. For Shatner, it encapsulated a global anticipation of the moment when a definitive answer is given to perhaps the biggest question in history, are we alone? And uh, I just, uh, this, this list, of course, is amazing. I cannot disagree at all with Contact 2001, Star Trek, the motion picture, Alien. I mean, the Star Wars movies, so many of those are just such great science fiction classics. I think, um, I think Shatner's maybe got a uh, pretty good feel for good sci-fi here. So that was a fun article. I think we got... Just enough time to maybe squeeze in another one or two here. Right, Jim? Absolutely. You want to jump in next, David? Sure. Yeah, I can quickly read. Uh, so I'm going to go really quick. Hopefully everybody catches up. And this is about... Yep, well, that's something about it. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, so uh, Star Trek Infinite, strategy game coming in October. 
Paradox Interactive and Nimble Giant Entertainment just announced their upcoming grand strategy game, Star Trek Infinite, will launch on Mac and PC on October 12, 2023. The game promises to take players on an interstellar saga with the emergent gameplay and complex choices as they face the powers of the Alpha and Beta Quadrant. Here is the official description. Beginning decades before the Star Trek, the next generation era, Star Trek Infinite grants players the power to shape the galaxy's destiny as a faction of their choice. The immersive grand strategy game puts players in the captain's chair to lead one of four unique quadrant powers, the United Federation of Planets, the Romulan Star Empire, the Cardassian Union, or the Klingon Empire. While remaining faithful to Star Trek lore, Star Trek Infinite introduces fresh avenues for adventures as players can explore the Alpha and Beta Quadrants, govern empire uh, dynamics, handle economic uh, intricacies, I think that's how you pronounce it. Intricacies. Intricacies, thank you. And engage the undiscovered civilization. Players can now pre-order either the base game or digital deluxe edition, granting them access to bonuses like skins, ships, and special voiceovers. Players who pre-order Star Trek Infinite will receive the following bonuses. Star Trek Lower Decks Uniform Option The U.S. Cerritos, USS Cerritos, a science ship with special options for mirror, minor, or minor nations. Second Contact a Klingon advisor, uh, an advisor voice line, Quapla. The digital <laughs> uh, deluxe edition, DDE, of the game includes a digital artbook, the game soundtrack, and an in-game music pack featuring I- iconic comp- compositions from across Star Trek illustrious legacy. You can pre-order now on Steam. The standard edition is twenty nine ninety nine, and the deluxe edition is thirty nine ninety nine US dollars. So this actually is a really fun game that I've been keeping my eye on and hoping to get it pretty soon because I like Star Trek games and I'm hoping you will too. So Paul, I think we have enough time for another. Absolutely, man, because guess what, friends? Star Trek Strange New Worlds finishes Season 2 on the streaming Top 10 again. Top of the charts, the Nielsen Top 10 original streaming program chart included the release of the Season 2 finale, Hegemony. And Strange New Worlds ranked at number 10 with 304 million minutes. Wow. This was a little bit of a drop in the previous week with the release of the musical episode, Subspace Rhapsody, which just was cosmos shaking. It was a phenomenon where the show ended up ranking at number seven with 362 million minutes viewed versus this 304. But the show ends its season continuing to compete closely with shows on more popular streaming services like Prime Video and Hulu. This is the seventh time Strange New Worlds is ranked on the Nielsen chart for the nine weeks of its season two run, which includes one week with two episodes released. We all remember that. Earlier in the year, Star Trek Picard ranked on the same chart three times during its 10-week run. How about you, Uncle Jim? 
Well, I've got a quick story here for you. Star Trek The Motion Picture Director's Edition Vinyl. There is no comparison. Enjoy the ride records in conjunction with Paramount Music proudly presents Star Trek The Motion Picture, the Director's Edition, music composed and conducted by Jerry Goldsmith. Jerry Goldsmith's iconic score to the 1979 film has been restored, remixed, and mastered from the first-generation multi-track masters by Bruce Botnick, original executive producer and Goldsmith's longtime engineer. Mike Mastriano co-produced the album with Botnick, handling the restoration, editing, and track assembly. With over 80 minutes of music, Star Trek The Motion Picture, the director's edition, is available on vinyl for the first time in its definitive assembly. Pressed on a two LPs of 140 grams each, colored vinyl and housed in a high-gloss gatefold jacket with black polyline liner sleeves, there is also a double-sided full-color insert inside. And i got to tell you guys, I ordered this. I got it in the mail, and it is outstanding. I'm really enjoying it, but, you know, I'm into the vinyl. So I, I highly recommend it. And the album itself is rainbow-colored, just like the original poster was. So I highly recommend it. Well, guess what, guys? We made it through another podcast. Wow. Um, I want to say thank you to Abby for calling us from Brooklyn tonight. It was great to hear from one of our fans, so thank you to Abby for calling us. I also want to say thank you to Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you so much, Eric. Absolutely. A pleasure as always, guys. And I want to say thank you to Paul for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Paul. My pleasure, friends. A lot of fun this week. Thank you. And I want to say thank you to David for picking the hairs out of his guacamole before eating it <laughs> and hanging out with us. Thank you, David. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> And, of course, thank you to Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you so much, Charles. Always fun talking, Trek. And I want to let you guys know that we're going to be doing a show on Monday on Star Trek games. We're going to be talking about Scale Force 9's new game, Star Trek Away Missions, The Battle at Wolf 359. And we're going to be sharing our thoughts on a brand-new WizKids game, a Starship tactical game called Star Trek Into the Unknown. That'll be on Monday, so you definitely want to check that out if you're into Star Trek gaming. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying please stay safe and be good to each other. Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe it. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night, all. Long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.